Hello and welcome to this week's episode of BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with David B. Horn, founder of Funding Focus. David opens up to tell us about the unfair reality he's discovered in venture capital funding between genders and ethnicities, an inequality so unjustifiably skewed towards white middle-class men that he felt compelled enough to do something about it, which gave birth to Funding Focus, David's now lifelong mission to create a level playing field for everyone in VC funding, regardless of their gender or ethnicity. Welcome to The Equality Scandal. And why was this a particular passion for you? So three years ago, I was speaking at an event about fundraising. And uh, after my talk, a woman came up and said to me, why does so little funding go to female founders? And was I, it me? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, but I looked at her and I said, I have no idea, but I will find out. And I started looking into it. Um, and as fate would have it, the following week, I was in a meeting with the chief executive of the British Business Bank. Uh, we had met at a networking event at the IOD, and this was just a follow-up meeting. Mm. And we had a very pleasant conversation. And towards the end, I thought, well, I'll ask her if she knows anything about this issue. And she smiled and reached down into the bottom drawer of her desk and brought out a, a bound research report that the bank had published about two months previously called UK VC and Female Founders. Mm. And in that report, they found that out of, they looked at all of the venture capital deals in the UK in 2017. All female teams submitted 5% of the pitch decks and got less than 1% of the money. Mixed gender teams submitted 10%, sorry, 20% of the decks and got 10% of the money. And all male teams submitted 75% of the decks and got 89% of the money. What do you think is really driving it? I don't personally believe in London particularly. I mean, I know some of these people that they wouldn't invest someone because they're a woman or a minority. In fact, these days, they would be almost more interested in doing so, you know, for whatever sort of ethical reasons. But um, the debate me and Pippa have had is that it's like, what, what's going on here? Is they literally just saying, you're a woman, I'm not doing it, subconscious bias sort of stuff? Is that the belief? Mm -hmm. There is a huge amount of, of, no, of, uh, of, of, of conscious bias. Um, I think as well, and, and, and conscious bias. Conscious you know. bias. Yeah, you're not aware of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I, you could call it cognitive, cognitive bias. Cognitive is, bias. Is the yeah, academic term. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cognitive yeah. bias. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that data from the, the British Business Bank report was from 2017. Uh, there was data published by PitchBook uh, at the beginning of this year that looked at all of the deals in Europe, and it was pretty much the same. Uh, all female teams were a little over 5% of the decks, and they got 1% of the money. Mixed gender was a little bit better. Um, I think they were up to 13% of the money from 10, but still, it's still, it's still the men getting it all. And most of those reports just look at it on a gender basis. When you throw ethnicity into it, um, the situation's even worse. I, re I read one report that was published um, a couple of years ago that looked at uh, black female founders raising capital in the UK between 2009 and 2019. How many deals do you think were funded? In 10 years. Well, I don't know how many deals were on Two. offer, but bugger all. 10. One a year. Yeah. It's scandalous yeah. when you when you look at the volume of money and the amount mm. of stuff that's out there. So I, I, conscious bias is unquestionably part of it. I think there are also factors built into the industry. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've written and it, my second book, which is called Funded Female Founders, is currently in typesetting. So that's going to come out uh, in the summer. Um, but I've done a lot of research around what's going on around the world, what are the current statistics showing. Um, I've interviewed a, a guy who's a, a, a lecturer and one of the global leaders of, of cognitive bias. Um, I've interviewed female founders. Um, 
And yeah, it just, uh, it's, it's really challenging. I mean, basically getting into a venture capital firm as a founder is a challenge for anyone. Yes. Um, you know, and, and if you don't have the network to get in, it can be a real problem. Um, venture capital firms are hugely male dominated. Yeah. Uh, again, going back to the British Business Bank study, I can't remember the exact statistics, but it was something like I don't think I've ever met a woman. But that's who does what it. I think Actually, is once, part of the problem. Well, that must be the is kind of basic. Is there such problem. a lack of female investors? There is. There, there is. Like, so, you know, so, so we, we talk about the lack of female founders, but nobody sort of seems to talk about the fact that none of the investors are women, unless they happen to be the wife of somebody investing, and he says, "I'll put half of it in my wife's name." It's just. The patriarchy right there. It is, it is. And, and, and you know, it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, something like less than, less than 20% of employees in VC firms are female. But when you get up to partner level, it's less than 10%. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I love, so we, we, coming out of what I learned, I, I started running events. So we, we, we held our first event uh, in November of 2019 at the London Stock Exchange. And three days before our event, uh, Morningstar published an article where they had looked at all of the listed open-ended investment companies, OICS, uh, in London. And there were just under 1,500 of them. 108 of those funds were run by men named David, <laughs> which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and only, so a hun- only 105 funds were run by women. So more funds run run by a man named David David. than by all women. Wow. And you get these statistics all over the place. I saw something recently in Switzerland where I've done a lot of business. um, And it was looking at all of the AGs, which is the Swiss top sort of level uh, uh, corporations. um, And they analyzed the first names of all of the directors of all of the Swiss AGs. And, you know, you've got your usual Germanic names, you know, Hans and Jürg Cut. and Reto and yeah, all of that stuff. And they had them on, on this on this circular spiral thing going in. And the first woman's name was Barbara. And it was like the 87th in the ranking. So yeah. basically mm. all, you know, all of the companies were run by men. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a huge issue. And I think, you know, it's something that, that is going to take a long time to address. I think for the first time, the world is really starting to pay attention to it. And, and, and things like the British Business Bank report and, and other studies have come out looking at this. But, you know, as part of my research, I, um, I read Emmeline Pankhurst's autobiography, fabulous story. Now, she spent 25 years from when she founded the Women's Social and Political Union until the um, Equal Franchise Act was passed in 1928. So this might take 25 years. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm, but, you know, I'm I think there are, I, there are quite a few factors, but I think one of the factors, or one of the factors with startups in particular, is I do think women find it harder you know, women tend to be more self-deprecating. They yes. find it a lot harder to go into a room and say, my business is amazing. It's the only thing you should be investing in. I'm amazing. I'm going to do amazing things. They just socially and from a kind of social construct and the way in which our societies have been over the last 200, 300 years, 
Well, it's testosterone too. Yeah, I mean, if you give someone testosterone, they are more confident in their decision making. So the people who go through um, changing from sex to sex, it was a fascinating program years back. And the, the man turning into a woman was like, oh, I, I went to the supermarket and I normally get such and such cereal and I, I, I couldn't choose. I just got lost in the cereal aisle. And then you had the woman talking about, you know, she'd be rung in the evening by this friend who would upset her. And she was like, well, normally that would have it, would have ruined my evening. But I just felt I'd park it and think about it tomorrow and I finished my dinner. And there's something about testosterone in this that has a, quite an impact in how people are ballsy, effectively, you know? There could be. I didn't, I didn't include testosterone in my research. But one of the things that I did come across was a TED Talk um, by a woman who's an assistant professor at London Business School. Um, she did her PhD at Columbia University. And um, for her uh, main thesis, she looked at the tech crunch startup battle competitions in New York going back until 2010. Mm -hmm. And she did this detailed analysis. I don't know how they, they've got systems and stuff that analyze it all. But basically, she found no material difference between how men and women pitched their businesses. Okay. But where she found huge differences was in the Q&A sessions where the investors were asking questions of the founders. And what they discovered was that 67% of the questions asked of men followed what's called promotional language. So tell me how you're going to triple your market share in the next six months. Um, you know, what are you going to do to recruit the next 500 people that you're going to have to hire when, when we fund you type of thing? And the women were asked, 66% of the women were asked what are called prevention questions. How are you going to protect your existing client base from the competition? Yeah. You know, where are you going to find these people? What are you? And, and it was literally, wow. it, it was such a stark thing. And what was really interesting was that in terms of the, the questioner, the investor, it didn't matter what their gender was. Women asked yeah. the same yeah, yeah. preventive questions of women as men asked of women. And women asked the same promotion questions of men. The deck is really everything stacked. The deck stacked. is very it's stacked. really annoying. It really is. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Ori Clark got its start back in 1935. And while the world has changed a bit, it's more than just survived. From complying with the FCA and all things financy, they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Clark was born and raised right here in the UK And now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935 Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram and at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. I think for me, though, it's one of these subjects you don't, you get, you can get quite trapped in two things. One blame, the other is like you can generalize, but you can't generalize. I mean, for, for, for me, it's, you know, I'm, uh, I am a female chauvinist. I think women are better than men 
at almost everything. And I joke, except taking the top off jars, taking the rubbish out and taking risks. There's something about men with testosterone is we don't give a fuck. We don't think about tomorrow or next month or next year. Most men I know, it's a generalization. And when I say it as a man, people can get upset from the other side, but you, you, you kind of, if we're not going to generalize, we can't even discuss the subject. It's like, you know, there will always be outliers, et cetera. But there's something about men that's sort of risk-taking and crazy. Like, and you think about being an entrepreneur, it's insane. It's like your, your wife's just had a baby. We deal with them every day. You've met them a hundred times. Their wife's just had a baby. They had a secure job and they've jacked it all in and they've started this business. It's insane. It, it doesn't make any sense. It you is. Know? And almost that line of questioning you're talking about, that's fitting into the same sort of stereotypes of like, you're here to sort of protect the home and be sort of safety and everything. A man's here to go out and just hit people on the head with a shovel. You know, it's kind of sort of like, it's all exponential. It's all like, how am I going to increase territory? You know, it's, it, it, I mean, it's... But you, you know, and the flip side of that is you do get the questions of, you know, I had a client a few years ago who she had a couple of investors, middle-aged men, obviously, um, middle-aged white men. We'd, we'd got all the terms agreed and they were going to have 20% of the business for their one point something million they were putting in. And they took her out for lunch and said, you're 22 and you're beautiful and you're clearly going to get married. And she was you're clearly going to get married sometime soon and then you're going to want to have children. So rather than us having 20% of the business, we thought it might actually work better if we have 80% of the business and you have 20%. And then if you don't have kids and your focus doesn't move from the business and you hit the metrics, etc., you can work your way back up. I hope her response to them was two words containing three Fs. Well, she rang me and she said, what do I do? Because I, luckily, it's a way to be sized. But I got engaged at the weekend, and, but I haven't got my engagement ring because it's being sized. So, you know, I don't know what to say to them. And I just, I swore for about five minutes and then just said to them, look, said to her, because she, it was a new idea. And she was like, they've done this before where they've gone into businesses and they've taken the idea and they've done it themselves. They've got all the money. You know, if I say no, what will I do? And I kind of, slight, I was slightly lying, but I kind of said, you know, it's not always first to market with a new product. It might actually be better if they set up the market first and they get people used to the idea and then you come in with a premium product. So, you know, but it's up to you, but I'd tell them to fuck off. Yeah. So she went back to them and said, thank you very much. I heard what you said and, you know, it's really interesting, but we did have terms agreed and I'd like to stick to those terms if that's okay. If they had a term sheet and now they're yeah. coming along and Yeah, saying, we had a term sheet, signed yeah. term Forget sheet. Forget it, okay. So and the they said, oh, okay, we just thought we'd ask. And then we carried on with the investment as originally planned. You know, I, when I was doing my research, a friend of mine sent me an article from uh, a woman in Australia who had agreed all the details and terms and everything and... Uh, the investor's sitting there with a check for, I don't know, I think it was a hundred grand. Um, and he said, you will sleep with me, won't you? <sighs> I could tell you some dreadful stories. I mean, there, there, was, there was one, there was a company in Germany that was launched by two guys and backed by a number of male venture capitalists. It was called, I think, Pinky Glove or something like oh, that. Jesus. And the whole idea was this was a special glove that you would put on to apply or remove tampons. Oh my and, God. And that feels unnecessary. better than what I thought and, it was. So. And, 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 but, but basically, it's an entirely irrelevant product. And it's a you massive piece of mansplaining. No, totally. Massive. Totally. And they raised like 
a shit ton of money at a crazy valuation. And then word came out about this and they've since had to shut the company down because it's a complete crock of shit. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to wear a glove, you know, to, to do How the tampons. fuck did that raise money? <sighs> so what's the plan? What's the plan with What's the fund? The with the yeah. fund? Yeah. Uh, so to raise the fund. Um, so we're currently actively uh, fundraising, speaking to a lot of institutional investors, trying to break into some family offices. Um, we've had some very, very interesting conversations. Um, uh, I probably can't say anything more okay. than that. Do a the family? A family stuff. office is interested in a floated entity. They some would, of them are. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly one or two family offices who's. Wealth may have come from somewhat less uh, socially acceptable sources in the past, and they're very anxious yeah, to yeah, yeah. be seen to be very socially uh, conscious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I, mm. I think so. I mean, you know, we're only just starting on that route. So so basically, we're we're running twin tracks right now. We're actively fundraising, and we are also dealing with the FCA on getting all the regulatory hurdles that we need to jump through to become. Uh, what's called an alternative investment fund manager under the AIFMD directive. Okay, MIFID. Very good. No, no, AFIM. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And so that's fun, I'm sure. Well, so I just submitted 69 pages of documents hmm. to the FCA on Friday. That's just the first and round. And that's just the first yeah. round. Yeah. yeah. Do you have in your team women founders as well? So, so within within uh, our proposal, so there's myself and uh, my partner John uh, are the executive directors of this business, and we we have a board of five female non-execs, including a female chair, female audit committee chair. Um, so three of them are entrepreneurs. Uh, one of them is uh, has a legal background. Um, does a lot of work in with very high profile uh, public sector stuff. Is really uh, on the top of, of everything to do with corporate governance. Um, and the fourth one, uh, sorry, the fifth one um, is uh, our audit committee chair. Uh, and she's a chartered accountant who's been the CFO of listed PLCs for the last 20 years. Is this what happens to you? Something comes along and pisses you off and then you decide to go and do something about it? Um, yes and no. Um, all my adult life, I've kind of known I'm here for something, but I don't know what it is. Mm. Um, but I've never really taken anything like this. This, this, I, this is why I'm... Well, now you do. I know. Yeah. I know why I'm meant to be here on this planet. What, this is, what, what does success look like then for you? you what does success look like in, in, the short, in the short term? Well, you could go medium, long, you know. Yeah. Okay, so short term, the success is that, um, that uh, I stand on the balcony at the London Stock Exchange and ring the bell. Nice. And Funding Focus Investment Trust PLC is a listed company with a very nicely sized uh, fund. Again, I'm not allowed to discuss numbers yeah. sure, for regulatory sure. reasons, but yeah. So zeros. short ter short term, yeah, lots of zeros. Short term, um, the, uh, the 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 objective is is to get the the business listed, um, and then over the medium term, um, grow the fund. So we've got a number of companies in our pipeline that you know we feel could be two to three years out from doing an IPO. So let's invest in them to help them scale up, put the capital in to enable them to do everything that needs to be done with an IPO. Um, you know, I've, I've been the CFO of listed companies for 10 years. My partner, John, has done 25 IPOs in his career. Oof. 
Um, so, you know, we've got the, the skills man. and the knowledge. Poor yeah, John. well, you know. Would you recommend to people to list, to go on AIM? Or, you know, there's a big movement now that rather than go take private equity money in America, Canada, they're all going to AIM. Would you recommend that to someone, you think? So, I mean, we we took a deliberate decision to make this a public uh, entity rather than a private entity for two main reasons. Number one, the whole world of private equity and venture capital is very closed, opaque, secretive, all mm. of that. And that's why shit like this is allowed to happen. And so we're going to use being a public company to bring transparency and 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 make a you know and rigor and rigor and all of that and the disciplines of public company things. And and in addition to that, um, I see being the chief executive of a public company gives me a huge platform to go out and really spread a wider message of of social change. Yeah, the marketing for this must be it should be you know front page news everywhere. Really, absolutely. Yeah. No, we anticipate significant retail interest. Yeah, and then hopefully, I guess in twenty years, you meet someone who said, "Oh, I read that in the newspaper when I was ten or something." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and will you invest? No, it's a rubbish idea. Thanks. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So you know, for me, I mean, long term, long term. Um, a level playing field so that any entrepreneur can go in and raise capital regardless of the color of their skin or the gender that they have or any of those things. It's, let's create a fair and even playing field for everyone. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra. Thank you to David B. Horn for joining us. A big thank you to you, dear listener. And we'll be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and find us on socials at bizwithoutbs. Until next time, it's goodbye.